Okay, can everyone hear me? Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Let's pray again real quick. (laughs) Um, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this church body and that I get to, I get the honor of speaking in front of all of them. I just pray that you would speak through my words and that this wouldn't be about me, but this would be about you and how you're working in Ecuador and the people there that love you. Um, Yeah, I just thank you so much for all those things, and I just pray that I'd be able to represent the people of Ecuador well and the people that I met there. Uh, Amen. Try again. Cool. Grounds for believing that something good may happen. That's one way to define hope. Bonsai is an after-school program for families in need in Monte Ecuador. We provide childcare, healthy meals, and homework help. But Bonsai goes deeper than that. We're about connecting with families and sharing hope through those connections. Bonsai focuses on three areas. We focus on education. We connect with local schools to select the families with the greatest need. Many of these children are years behind in school, so we connect with our teachers, working together to help them develop the skills and confidence to catch up. We connect with volunteer tutors to give our kids three-to-one individualized attention. Through these connections, we give children resources to help them succeed, and in many cases, to break free from generations of cyclical poverty. Bonsai cultivates hope. We focus on healthy families. We give parents the opportunity to work to provide for their families. We connect with them through home visits, listening, building trust, seeking solutions together. We connect families with resources like medical assistance, parenting seminars, and job skills and opportunities. Through these connections, we give parents the dignity of being able to work to meet their own needs and the assurance of knowing that they have an ally. Bonsai cultivates hope. We focus on Jesus. We share the good news of Christ with children and parents and connect them with the local church. We do this because we believe that Jesus is the source of all hope and the church is his plan for sharing hope with the world. Bonsai cultivates hope. We have grounds for believing that something good may happen. We believe that because it's already happening. Bonsai me ayudó a mí en mi medicina y a mi mamá a sacar su local. Con la comida, eh, hacer las tareas, jugar, y me aprendió a leer bien. Y ahorita ya se lee. Bonsai me ha ayudado a cumplir con mis tareas. Y a en mi casa y a tener más amigos. Me gusta jugar. Will you connect with us in cultivating hope with families? Cool. Uh, that's Bonsai. That's where I was at in Ecuador this summer. So um, my name's Rachel, uh, Rachel Young. I'm a junior Christian ministries major at Grove City College, um, and then I have a Spanish minor as well and some other minors. Um, Grove City College is about an hour and a half from here, 40 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. This morning, I'm going to unpack my summer internship for you all. So I served in Manta, Ecuador for a month, almost five weeks, uh, with CMA through Envision, um, and then under Envision is Inklink. So they're all just different mi- uh, ministries that the CMA has. Um, yeah, so there's two things you need to know about me before I unpack my actual trip for you guys. So one, um, how I got to Ecuador. So I'd been planning to go abroad this past summer um, for some time, and I got in contact with the CMA in Grove City, which is where I go to church in Grove City. 
and uh, we started discussing some different options, and the original plan was Spain, um, and uh, I remember thinking while I was doing that, if I don't go to Spain, I'm going to go to Ecuador, and I don't remember, like, I don't know why I thought that. That was just the thought process, um, and Spain didn't work out. I just didn't feel a lot of peace about it, and I just wasn't going to be that much help there where I was supposed to go, so we switched to Ecuador. That's how I ended up there. Um, I secured that internship literally the night I came back from spring semester. So I secured that like May 14th or 15th and I left like June 26th. So it was a super quick turnaround. My parents were like trying to help me like pack and like figure out flights and everything. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, that's South America and Ecuador is that little gray one um, by the coast between, it's like right in between Colombia and Peru. And then Manta where I was at is right on the ocean. So I was right on the coast of Ecuador. Um, yeah, and then another thing you need to know about me before I tell my story is um, that's my grandma. <laughs> um, if I say Mangi, that's what I call her, uh, so just substitute Mangi for grandma. Um, yeah, so my grandma was diagnosed with dementia in between my sophomore and junior year of high school, and um, I was a COVID senior, so I graduated during COVID. So by the time that COVID hit March of my senior year of high school, she'd gotten pretty bad. She needed almost full-time care. So um, since I wasn't doing anything from March until August when I left for Grove City, uh, it was decided that I was going to be one of her caretakers. So I was employed um, by my grandpa from March 2020 up until June when I left for Ecuador. Um, and I do the whole thing. I was like one of her nurse type roles. So uh, a full caretaker, just like any of her other employed caretakers. Uh, so I spent a lot of hours with her um, and we'd cuddle and we'd watch movies. I'd feed her, take her on walks. Uh, I saw her most days. Um, and anyone that knew my grandma and I together or knew our family knew uh, that my grandma and I were extremely, extremely close, um, even in her sickness. Um, even She couldn't talk a lot. She didn't communicate a lot. But she was one of my best friends, and we communicated really well. Um, yeah, so it's June 24th, and I'm leaving for Ecuador in less than 48 hours. And I'm at the side of my grandma, Mangi, um, in the hospital. And I'm listening to her breathe, sitting there holding her hand, and she's been given hours to live. <laughs> so my life is just this, it's engulfed by these ticking clocks. Um, I'm counting down the hours till I leave the country, and we're watching the last couple hours of my grandma's life unfold. Also, while this is happening, <laughs> Ecuador is in the middle of violent protests in the capital of Quito, which is where I'm supposed to fly into in 48 hours. So there's a level three travel advisory over the country, which basically means the U.S. government isn't going to stop me from going, but they want me to know that if I do, I might not be allowed to leave Ecuador. If it gets worse, I might not be allowed back in the U.S., and, like, I might die. Like, <laughs> there's, like, violent protests. So, like, they're suggesting that I don't go, um, but they're not going to stop me. Um, and yeah, so I'm sitting there holding my grandma's hand, trying to figure out what we're going to do. Um, and it was just one of those moments that we've all had, right? Where it was like, God, what are you doing? Like, why are you letting this happen? Why is this happening now? Why these things at this moment? I thought, I thought this was what I was supposed to do. Um, and I did get to go. Uh, so my grandma passed away Saturday uh, in the afternoon, and I left for Pittsburgh within 24 hours. We drove to Pittsburgh, and I got on a plane. Um, and through Ecuador and processing that season at school during my fall semester that I'm in right now at Grove City, I feel that God has answered those questions for me, um, and I have, a, have an understanding of why those things happened and why this is the best possible testimony to the Lord's goodness. 
Um, and it, it's my hope that unpacking my trip for you guys, that you'll be able to see the goodness of God in it as well. Um, and that started with her passing away on Saturday. I was there with her um, the whole time. Um, we got to be together all of Saturday. And then my grandpa actually drove to Pittsburgh with us to put me on the plane. <laughs> um, so it, it, the goodness of God started with that, that I didn't have to leave her uh, to suffer anymore without me. Um, so what I thought Ecuador was going to be like, um, I got there on time. All my flights went really smoothly. I served in Manta. This is all of, those are some pictures of Manta. Uh, that's the coast. Um, Manta, Ecuador is a coastal city in Ecuador. It's in the province of Manabí. It's known for beaches and seafood, tuna. It has a college there as well. It's gorgeous. Um, and going into it, I thought it was going to be a really, like, small, like, Ecuadorian town. I think that's a, what a lot of us just have in our minds. And I even looked at pictures, of, like, on Google of it, and I don't know why I still thought that, but I did. Um, and it's not. It's humongous. It's gigantic. Um, it's one of the largest coastal cities in Ecuador. It's huge. I can't even explain it to you guys. Um, and it's really interesting. It has lots of different people groups, and everywhere you go looks different. So there's a lot of expats on the coast, for, so people that came from other countries into Ecuador. They live in penthouses by the beach, um, things like that. The beach area and the coast is very built up, skyscrapers and nice hotels and beaches and fancy restaurants. Um, and then you have kind of a middle class area. That's what most of Ecuador, uh, most of Manta looks like. And I'm going to show you guys a video of that next. So that's what most of Manta looks like is what I'm going to show you. And then they also have built right into um, the area. You can kind of see off like that one picture. Uh, it just goes on forever and they all look really different. Um, there's also kind of lower income housing um, on some of the outskirts, but still part of Manta. And those um, include houses that are made out of sheet metal um, and plywood, things like that. Um, and they live right on the coast as well. So this is what some of Manta looks like. ¿Qué estaban haciendo hoy día en Shekina? Nada. ¿Cuándo ustedes hagan deberes? ¿Viernes en la noche? En la tarde. O los sábados. Y a mí solamente ya me dejaron hacer un papelote. Nada más. Sí, un papelote y nada más. Con tres preguntas. No, las preguntas que yo hice a ustedes que uh, so I lived with the Eason's while I was there. That's a picture of them. That's Will and Amanda, and then their two kids, Selah and Emery. They moved uh, there eight years ago from Georgia State. Um, so I lived with them the whole time. I ate dinner with them. I went to the beach with them, hung out with their kids a lot. Their kids tutored me in Spanish some because Emery and Selah are both fluent. Um, so they're completely bilingual, which is awesome. Um, that was my room, and then that was the view from my room. Um, yeah, so there were also two young female missionaries while I was there, Anna and Kiki. I spent a long time with them as well. They're both in their 30s and um, have been missionaries since they got out of school. Um, and, yeah, they're both just single females. Uh, that's them in the top corner. We went to the beach. Um, so I, most days I spent at the Easton's Ministry, which is Bonsai, which is that video that we watched. Um, it was at a Baptist church that uh, Will also preaches at, so they would have that during the week, and then during the weekend, the church has the building. Uh, it was Monday through Thursday, like noon to 5.30-ish, um, and then I was in the first through fourth grade classrooms. Um, yeah, so 
We had about 20 kids on any given day. We would pick them up from school um, because their school gets out at noon. So we would take them. We would go and we would give them lunch. Um, They'd have recess. Then we'd do uh, tutoring for a couple hours and do all of their homework, devotional time, recess, snack, and then we'd we'd drive them all home. Uh, So that's Estrella. Uh, The big picture is Estrella, which means star in Spanish. And then uh, that's Guadalupe. And then down in the corner is Belesca and uh, Carolee. Um, and why uh, places like Bonsai are so important, it's, a, it's, it's um, essentially a tutoring program um, and an after-school tutoring um, intensive, but they're so important to Manta and so important to Ecuador. There's not a lot of them, but it's so, so important, and it's the best ministry for where they're at because Ecuadorian school systems are different than ours. So what happens is when you graduate, you take a test, um, like we take the SAT or things like that. But depending on how you score on it depends what you can major in in school. So if you score high, you get options like doctor, lawyer, different things like that. But if you score low, you either can't go to college at all or you have to go for the low-income options. You're not, they tell you what you can major in. Um, so what happens is you have students that have parents that are doctors and lawyers, and those are the people that can pay for tutoring, and those are the people that are going to have time to support their children and tutor them themselves. So these children end up having doctor and lawyer children, and it just goes on and on. And then on the other end of things, you have so many parents in Ecuador that are illiterate, so they can't tutor their children they can't help them and they try their best but i mean what can you do when you can't read or write um so then those children also don't get to go to college and it just goes on and on uh so cyclical poverty is a huge deal there and it's a huge problem and places like bonsai are so important because this is giving these children an opportunity to one be loved and appreciated and supported after school instead of being out on the streets um, where there's gang activity and things like that. But then also, too, this is an opportunity for them to be somewhere else than their parents are. And a lot of their parents want to give them that opportunity, so they want them to get to bonsai, things like that. Um, So this is Jonathan. Um, He's 10. He's who I worked with most of the time. Um, We could all take lessons from Jonathan. He was awesome. Um, I was so humbled by his patience and his humility. He knows Spanish way better than me. He writes better than me. He reads better than me. He speaks the language and I don't. And he would sit there and let me tutor him while I tried to put sentences together and try to teach him things in really broken Spanish. Um, And he'd just sit there and be so patient with me. And I think part of the reason why he did that is because Jonathan wasn't trying to, like, use me and check off the boxes and get done really quickly. He was so excited that I wanted to spend time with him, and he was so excited that he was getting attention, and he he wanted that relationship foremost. Um, So this is a video of him speaking a little bit. ¿Cómo se llama? ¿Cuántos años tienes? Diez. Diez. ¿Y um, dónde vive? En una flor. Sí. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I'm just going to show you one of these, but this video is from the Baptist Church, so this is their band doing worship. Um, 
yeah. So how Ecuador impacted me and a couple of things that I really noted about their culture and the people there and I really loved was one, um, what I was talking about with Jonathan. They are so relational and they're so sparing with their they're so giving with their time. Um, so yeah, like Jonathan just wanted to like spend time with me and talk with me and like make fun of how bad my Spanish is. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, the same thing with all the other Ecuadorian people that I met in Manta. Um, well, coming in, I really honestly thought that they weren't going to be that welcoming to me. I thought they would be polite, but like why on earth would they try to build relationships with me? I was going to be there for a month. Um, it was really there to, I was really there to help the ministry and to try to get a little better at my language, but I wasn't expecting much from them. Um, and they just welcomed me in right away. And, um, some of them speak some broken English and they really wanted to try that with me. And, uh, Nellie is down in the corner next to me in the blue. Uh, she worked in the same room with me at Bonsai. Um, she doesn't speak any English and she would try so hard. She'd be so patient with me while I like really spoke like really broken Spanish with her. Um, and like by the second day, like she would hug me all the time. Um, she just like acted like she was like my aunt or my grandma or something. Um, and all some of those people in those videos are also like some of my other friends there. They were all so welcoming and they all um, were so giving with their time. They just wanted to spend time together. You would go to things and like it didn't have an ending. Like I would go to youth group and they didn't have like, oh, it ends at nine. They'd be like, oh, we're going to get here at seven. And like, when you know, it ends when it ends um, because like they wanted to spend time together. Things like that. I never once saw an Ecuadorian check their phone to see what time it was. Like never. They don't do that. Um, and I really appreciate that about them. They were so cool and they were so excited to have me there. Um, also, yeah, so this is a video of Cristobal dancing. I got to go to a wedding, which is really interesting. So those are all pictures from the wedding I got to go to. Uh, and this is Cristobal dancing with Sela. <laughs> Um, that's a little bit more of Ecuador. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, that's where um, one of the students that we pick up, that's where he lives. So he lives kind of more in uh, sheet metal and plywood, that kind of area. But it's still gorgeous. Um, and then that's some of the beaches, things like that. Um, those are some of my friends as well. Um, another thing I really appreciated about Ecuador was uh, – I, I really, I think, learned the importance and beauty of diversity within the church. Um, every culture or community has a different way that they struggle and that they sin, um, but they also have different ways in which they express God's goodness and his mercy, and there's new things and there's new ways that God's goodness is on display, and that's so fun to see, um, and that's what just from the food to the music to how they communicate, um, they just hug each other all the time, <laughs> um, and like we don't do that, um, but there's like other things we have as well that they don't have, so every culture and every community you go to, not just different countries, but if you go to the other part of Pennsylvania, you're going to see new ways that people are expressing themselves in new ways that God's glory is on display and that's just like how God made his church and his people to be so diverse and that's so special and that's so important um, and I think it's just really exciting that like obviously I got to go for a month and really be in that culture and see it firsthand but because of technology and because of where we are in the world we all have that opportunity to learn about and appreciate different cultures and different ways that God's church is moving and different ways that they're expressing themselves and celebrating the goodness that God has given us. And that's so exciting that we all have the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So back to, um, 
what I kind of, my personal reflection on this trip, um, I remember a lot of people either going, like, saying before I went or as I've come back, like, wow, you're so brave, you're so strong. Um, and I find that really funny because I just don't feel like that's true. I don't feel like either one of those things were true. They especially weren't true, like, when we drove to Pittsburgh um, that day after my grandma passed away. Um, but I think the reason why I chose to go, um, I think, is the difference between obeying God and not obeying God sometimes is two things, and that's trusting love and an understanding that that love requires sacrifice. So trusting love that I have a relationship with Christ and that I trust him and that I, I do love him and I love I trust that he has the best for me and that I love him so I want to give all of myself. Um, and then also understanding that giving all of myself is going to be a sacrifice. Um, before I left, I ch- chatted with my trip advisor um, a before I left, when things are going wrong with my grandma in Ecuador and everything else. Um, and I think what she told me and how she encouraged me um, was one of the reasons why I decided to go. Um, and I think I'll carry this with me forever. And basically what she said was, Rachel, if God wants you there, he will get you there. Um, God isn't surprised by any of these things. He knew this was the path for you when he led you to Ecuador instead of Spain. He knew this was the path when you were accepted, when you bought plane tickets, when your grandma got sick in high school. Uh, He knew this was going to happen the way that it happened. And all you can do in that is be obedient. All you can do is follow what he's called you to. It's not your job to make sure you can get on the plane. Um, It's not your job to make sure the travel advisory doesn't go up. It's not your job to do all these things. Your only job is to get in the car tomorrow and go to Pittsburgh. Uh, Or, you know, it's your only job is to just follow him and just trust that he's going to keep moving you forward. Or if he doesn't, then okay. That's what he has for you as well. Um, Those are all his job. The only thing you have to do is choose to be obedient or not. Um, And I think we've all had those moments when it feels like your world is crumbling apart. And I just know for me personally, I think those moments when you have to actively choose to be obedient to what you trust the Lord is calling you to, that that's when you really vividly see him moving. Um, yeah. And um, in First Chronicles twenty one twenty four, David's building an altar for the Lord and someone offers to pay for all of it. And David's response is, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. And what I take from that and what I think David is saying that more or less is that what good is loving someone if there's no sacrifice? If David doesn't have to give anything for the altar, then how is he, how is that a sacrifice of praise for the Lord? How is he putting God as a priority in his life? He doesn't have to do anything. Um, If we aren't choosing someone first or we aren't choosing something first, then how is it a priority in our life? Um, How easy would it be for me to love a God that always does exactly what I want? (laughs) Um, So I did, I chose in that moment with the encouragement of my family and my trip advisor, people in Ecuador that were waiting for me to come to obey. Um, And I'm very thankful I did because obviously from what you guys can see, it was such a special month in my life and I get to be up here and to share with you guys the amazing work that God is doing in Ecuador and how he's moving and the beautiful people that are there that he created. Um, But it was also really hard for me as well um, to be away. was extremely difficult for my family and for me. Um, I got to watch my grandmother's funeral, but I wasn't there for it. Um, And I'll never get that back. Uh, But it was the sacrifice that I chose to make. Um, And I think if she was alive, she would have supported me in that decision. Um, But I think the goodness of God is not that things will never be difficult. Um, I think... That was extremely difficult. Um, But the goodness of God is that he is the only possible salvation. 
and he is the only one who can bring goodness out of that difficulty and that suffering, like Isaiah 6, 6, 9 says. Um, the sacrifices that we make in the Lord are going to be redeemed, and he's going to make good out of that. Um, when we prioritize him, it might be difficult, but there's going to be beauty in it, and he's going to hold us in that. Um, so what you guys can do about it, um, be praying for the gang activity and parental situations in Ecuador. Uh, gang activity is a huge issue there as well as drug dealing. A lot of the times it's not violent and towards the community and it doesn't affect the community at large, but um, it does affect families and there is violence. Um, so be praying for that. Um, and also parental situations at Ecuador. There's so many parents that want to help for their children and are sacrificing for their children, but a lot of them can't read and write or they're working so many hours or that it's really difficult to change how you're living in Ecuador. So be praying for that as well because there's parents there that are trying so hard and they just don't have the resources. Um, be praying for the cyclical poverty as well as and the educational system. Um, there's pros and cons to how their educational system works, but obviously, obviously just some people get stuck in it. Um, and be praying for tutoring centers that more would pop up. Um, Bonsai is one of the only ones in their area, and they can only drive around and get so many kids. Um, be praying for the Eason's as well that I was living with and um, for their children. Um, and then you can be praying for Bonsai, and you actually can donate to Bonsai. That's their um, website link, or if you just Google, like, Bonsai Inca link or Bonsai Ecuador, it will come up, and you can sponsor a child. Um, and all the children that are on their website I met and I played soccer with. They're real children in Ecuador um, that are beautiful, and they're so fun. And you can sponsor them. Um, and if you want to know anything about any of them, I met all of them, <laughs> so I know what they're like. Um, lastly, I just want to thank you guys as a church um, for sponsoring me and helping me to get there and covering me with prayer. And, um, yeah, you guys just helped so much and supported my family so much through their suffering here with my grandma's death um, and then also just cheering me on while I was there. Uh, I thank you guys so, so much for that. Um, yeah, and then just there's stickers um, that I gave you guys. That says uh, Jesus Christ is enough in Spanish. Um, so Jesus Cristo is Jesus Christ and the Basta is enough. Um, it's actually a really beautiful, like, Spanish worship song as well, so you guys can look that up. Um, but, yeah, those are, those are your stickers. Those are a little gift from me just to thank you guys for um, supporting me and listening to me right now. Um, so that's all I have. Thank you, guys. That was great. Thank you, Rachel, for sharing this morning. We are really pleased uh, to hear your report, and we're really pleased to see what's going on in Ecuador. I was in Quito 100 years ago. There was no electricity. Well, most of the time there was. I'd like to just ask you if you could, um, why don't we uh, stand to unite our hearts in prayer and just pray for Bonsai, pray for Ecuador, and pray for Rachel because she probably has a future in front of her that she's kind of evaluating based on the information she learned there. Okay? Would you unite your heart with me? Father in heaven, we're really thankful for your love for us, and we're thankful for um, Rachel and her trip to Ecuador. We're thankful for the way you watch out for us and you protect us. We're thankful for the way as we make hard decisions in obedience, we find you there ahead of us to walk with us through those uh, times. I pray, Father, as Rachel looks to the future, she would know what you have in mind for her. And that which she learned here uh, would certainly, we can tell it's touched her heart. We pray that it would show her her direction. We pray as well, Father, for the children uh, that she met, one she didn't meet. We pray for the ministry that's there for them, and we pray that it would be 
profitable, that it would produce a fruit, and that fruit would multiply. We pray for the people of Israel, or Israel, Ecuador. We pray for peace. We pray for the gang problems that are there and the upheaval. This is our world, and uh, it's part of living in a fallen world. We pray for peace. We pray for resolution, cooperation. We pray for your spirit to be at work. We ask you continue to bless Rachel uh, and uh, these people in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming, for speaking, rather. Have a seat if you would. Um, You may or may not remember, we usually do a prayer, and I think I skipped right over it, right? I skipped the prayer, didn't I? Did I pray the prayer? See, I've just been doing too much. What made me think of it, though, was um, we didn't pray for Brandon Root, and I want to do that. Um, Brandon is having surgery this week down at the Veterans Hospital. Uh, He goes in Tuesday, comes back Wednesday, Lord willing. So if you're comfortable doing so, I'm going to ask you to stand. How'd you sit? How'd you stand? We'll stand, and then we'll pray, and then we'll conclude our time in song. Father in heaven, we are thankful um, for Brandon and for his family and what they've brought to Kerbinsville Alliance. We love them and are glad they're part of our church family. We are also glad that Brandon can get to surgery, and as he goes to get it, I pray that the doctors would be, as we so often say, their hands would be guided by yours and that the surgery would go well. I pray, Father, that his recovery time would go well. I pray you will work out the timing of all of this, and uh, he can be back doing the things he enjoys doing. And uh, we trust you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen.